0: welcome to the hello retirement podcast with josh leonard from leonard advisory group in this podcast we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile join josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement now onto the show Welcome
1: to Hello Retirement with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Josh. How are you?
2: Hey, Wendy. How are you?
1: Oh, it's January. It's cold. It's dreary. I'm doing great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I think uh, a little extra push of optimism is sometimes needed this time of the year. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of gray weather here. We do. Um, I noticed my sunglasses in the car in the summer. You tend to put them on all the time.
1: Not so Mine much. weren't
2: in the car for like two weeks and I didn't even notice.
1: <laughs> well, if we got snow, that's when you need them the most. Have you ever tried to drive down the road when there's snow all over and sunshine I mean, sometimes it literally would cause my eyes to water if I didn't have my sunglasses.
2: I'm there with you. I think sometimes those sunny, snowy days are even worse than the hottest summer day. So, but I'm looking forward. We've had a particularly dry winter or warmer winter. I guess we've had a fair amount of rain, but not much snow yet. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So do you particularly like the snow? Are you a snow lover?
2: I do love the snow. I, I, Really don't mind the cold. And I talk to our clients all the time since most of them are in their sixties or beyond. They, you know, try to tell me, Josh, it's it worse
1: as you get you know might not hurts.
2: feel that way later. Yeah. But um at this point I love it. I like getting out. I mean, even uh around Christmas, we had a snowstorm that hit us, and I was making excuses to go outside as much as I can because I like it. I love it. And I run all winter outside. One of my favorite things is running along the beach here as it hovers right around freezing because that sand gets nice and compact so it's easy to run on and no one's there and it's a beautiful view so
1: yeah Um, i live by the water as well and i haven't in the last year or so but i used to take long walks in the winter time and it's just the sunrises are amazing and it's like you said nobody else is there
2: yeah yeah we're fortunate to have uh, uh, the saint joseph river connecting into lake michigan here with a beautiful lighthouse. So the ice formations on the lighthouse are pretty amazing in the
1: winter mm, as well. Very nice. So do you do uh, fun wintertime sports?
2: Well, I like to ski. However, having two younger kids that aren't skiing yet sort of slows that down. Mm-hmm. But I've been enjoying sled riding with them and continue to run and just you know, be outside as much as I can. Walking the dog always ensures that I go outside at least twice a day. So, Mm.
1: Now I have something planned for next week and I'm not sure this is the best idea, but my husband and I are going skiing for the very first time.
2: And where are you going? New York area? Or?
1: We are going to Pennsylvania Poconos. Okay, okay, yeah. So we're we're going to do a little snow tubing first, and we're going to ski on the second day in case we break all our bones and we will not be able to go snow to- snow tubing. Oh, so, you know, I'm not much of a weather uh, winter weather person. I usually sit in the house depressed until April, waiting for warmer weather to go outside and do things. So I decided this year I am not going to do that. I'm going, I like it going to go out. I'm going to find something fun to do something to look forward to and just pray. I, we don't break anything. I'm
2: praying for you both as <laughs> your husband, a skier this is his first time as well.
1: His first time as well. Oh,
2: wow. Okay. Are you taking a lesson or are we you are. just going to wing it? Okay. No,
1: no. We're, we're taking lessons. We're not stupid. I mean, we're a little stupid to try skiing in our fifties, but we're not that stupid.
2: I would say the lesson is highly advisable. Angela on our team, we used to compete. She used to race as a skier and she's wow. a very avid skier. And she helped teach me uh, when I first started. Okay. We used to do an annual trip as an office going skiing for a week out in Colorado. Nice. The first time we went out there, I had skied a couple times in Pennsylvania, which is a very different uh, level of skiing than out in Colorado.
1: It's much lower, right?
2: It is. Yeah. The hills. Yeah. Yeah. You'll live. <laughs> At the end of the day, you could, in most cases, you can kind of straight line it and aim for a soft Landed, oh, but uh,
1: exactly what I was hoping for.
2: Yeah. 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 In Colorado, that's not always the case. You might go a little bit too far, but I, I learned uh, it was a tough week of skiing the first time I went out there. But Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I'm sure you did well. I'm sure you adjusted.
2: That's right. That's right. But we'll pivot to some financial topics. Winter sports are fun. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We'll talk about some finance stuff today since this is a financial planning podcast. So Wendy, what uh, what do you view as your biggest asset?
1: Oh, well, I think that would be my house.
2: Okay. Yeah. I would beg to differ that it might actually be your income. So your ability to earn income and pay for things like your house, put away money for retirement and do fun things like going skiing, is probably one of your most substantial assets. What do you think about that, Wendy?
1: Well, I think that's a really good point that I never thought of. The only other thought I came up with was my actual body, like my health. That's really our, all of our biggest assets, but I don't think you meant it.
2: Yeah, no, I in think that way. <laughs> a healthy body enables you to earn <laughs> yeah. income, right? Okay. So, you know, as a financial asset, i i like to say that it's most likely your income at this point. Now, once you transition into retirement, well, your biggest asset might be your retirement savings or properties you have, things like that. But today we'll talk about income planning. Okay. So we're going to stick with that being your biggest asset, When
1: Let's do it.
2: And uh, we'll walk through some framework today. For a lot of folks retiring, it's spooky to think about those paychecks ending. And well, where's the money going to come from, right? Mm-hmm. I have this 401k, but that doesn't directly give me a paycheck bi-weekly or 15th and 30th. So how do we transition into that? So we'll walk through three-step process to help you get ready for that transition and start thinking through some income planning.
1: Okay, because I'm going to pay attention because I need to know what I have to have when that time comes.
2: Let's do it. Let's jump right in. I would say the first step that we need to focus in on is what do you have? So what income sources do you have in retirement? For most folks, they at least have social security. Social security would fall into what I would call a guaranteed income bucket. Social security is backed up by the U.S. government. You know, uh, our listeners today can't see that face that you made, Wendy, but that's a common response that we get from folks too, right? Well, there's
1: been some talk.
2: Yeah, there has. So let's talk about that talk. Should we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So what are your fears with Social Security, Wendy? Because they probably echo a lot of the listeners' concerns.
1: Well, there's been some talk that it's an entitlement program and that they're looking to, and when I say looking, I mean Congress is looking to do away with it. And when I say that, they mean paying it out, not necessarily taking it out of your paycheck.
2: Yes, Um, they, there has been talks around that. So I think right now we are talking about some aggressive budget cuts and ways to make up money to not raise the debt ceiling that we've already spent the money or said that we're going to spend the money, which is not good financial planning folks, not good financial planning, (laughs) but you know, social security is a stressed program. It is a very large piece of our budget and it represents a promise to the American people. As you're working, you're putting away money into that system to help shore up our retirees. Now, to completely eliminate that system, we would have to have some other safety net for our retirees. In fact, a lot of retirees only live on that Social Security. Mm-hmm. So to completely eliminate it would be a big problem. Now, within the system, it's weighted to benefit those lower income folks a little bit more than the higher income folks. Okay. So if we look at an adjustment, that's probably the route that they would go is, hey, higher income earning folks, uh, either you're gonna contribute a little bit more or you get a little bit less of a return in the system than you would for the lower income folks. Another strategy that we've seen to shore up the social security system is raising your full retirement age or when you'd get your full benefits. In fact, we are at a illogically low age. When social security was first established, the average person was dead by the time they could claim social security. That was the plan. Right, right. So it's a pretty (laughs) easy system to maintain then, right, Wendy? Right. Um, But
1: something's happened along the way.
2: (laughs) That's right. That's right. So as medical science and hopefully our diets have improved a little bit, people are living quite a bit longer. Well, our Ability to claim Social Security didn't move out on that same trajectory, so people are having longer retirements. Thus, they're collecting more from the system. I would say another one is that people say, hey, within the system, we get this trustees report every year. And that trustees report tells us that, hey, Social Security is not going to have enough money to pay its current obligations and, and the year moves every once in a while, but within the next decade or so. So we need to be careful there. That's a scary thought, right? They're not going to have enough money. Well, if you actually read through that, it talks about how they're only going to be able to pay out a portion of those obligations. But Wendy, let me ask you a question. When okay. the US government doesn't have enough money to pay an obligation, what do they do? borrow more money, borrow more money. So (laughs) I am of the mindset that that's what they would continue to do to make up that gap. But more importantly, when Social Security runs out of money, it's just saying that, hey, the money coming in isn't enough to support the people on the system. So that would represent a reduction in benefits, not an elimination of benefits. Okay. well, that makes me feel a little bit better. I think going back to Social Security as an income source, So there is a little bit of stress around that, but still it's backed up by the U.S. government. Like them or not, it's a stable institution financially, maybe not emotionally, but that's a different conversation. So what we'd want to do with an income source like that is maximize it. And for many folks, they'll read an article online that'll say, oh, to get the most from social security, defer your benefit till age 70. And while that might give you the highest monthly income benefit, well, what about all the years you could have collected from 62 to 70? That's eight years worth of benefits. Uh, So what we do with clients is we talk about potential life expectancy, right? Do we think they're gonna live a long life? And then we look for a break-even point. For most folks, that break-even point between claiming at full retirement age and deferring to age 70 is about 83 and a half. So if you're like my grandmother who's alive at age 95, well, it probably makes sense to defer that benefit. The other piece that comes into maximizing Social Security is, well, do you need the money today? Mm. If maybe for a health reason or some other reason you are forced to retire at age 62 and you don't have other assets to withdraw, well, I think you're going to need to claim. Wendy, next we'll talk about pensions, which is another guaranteed income source. Uh, although pensions have become less common, we work with clients that maybe were teachers or maybe worked for a hospital system or something like that. Where government employees. Or government employees as well. Uh, pensions can be a great guaranteed income source for you. A lot of the questions around that is we want to look at what the payout options are. For many pensions, you could choose to take a lump sum. So if you're having failing health at this time, that might be a good decision for you.
1: I did not know that was an option.
2: It's not in all pensions, but in some pensions, it is an option. Uh, So we want to evaluate those. We can also look at payout options like single, joint, or a certain percentage of a survivorship. So for Wendy, for you and your husband, if your husband has a pension, well, you may want it to cover you too. So if he claims that pension and then the next day he gets hit by a bus... Well, it'd probably be nice to still have that income coming in in your retirement, right?
1: But that's usually a reduced amount.
2: It could be. So a typical pension option, you'll have 100% joint and survivorship. So it'll be a lower initial payment, but that payment would stay the same as long as you or your husband were still alive. Mm -hmm. Or many times we'll have a 50% reduction in benefit or 25 for the surviving spouse. Oh, Okay. So yeah, you need to evaluate those, but let's say that you're choosing to protect the spouse and we do a hundred percent joint and survivorship. So the payment stays the same throughout retirement. We know how much money is going to be coming in from that guaranteed income source, as well as from social security. You had mentioned government employees, you Mm -hmm. have to be careful with government employees because sometimes... Your government pension may also impact your social security payments as well. So in figuring out what you have, what your income sources are, you need to coordinate not only your social security and pension, but maybe also you bought an annuity or you inherited an annuity. Those would be another thing that can provide a guaranteed income source for you. Many conservative folks or really like my grandparents' generation, that was a common way to help supplement your retirement income. Well, I'm going to give an insurer a specified amount of money, and they're gonna give me this amount back each and every month. Now there's too many types of annuities when the landscape can be quite confusing, but in general, an annuity can provide guaranteed income um, or defined benefits for you in retirement as well. So if we total up that guaranteed income, we know that bucket of money is gonna come in on a stable basis within retirement. We can also look to asset income, To provide additional income in retirement. That could be coming from things like bond yield or dividends or rental income. If you have a rental property, you have some income coming in from that asset. As long as you keep a renter in that house, well, you'll keep getting that income, right? So that could help supplement your income while still sustaining an asset. Okay. Dividends kind of work the same way. So a dividend paying stock is one that the company has deemed it appropriate to reward shareholders by giving them a little bit of income back. So again, you're not forced to sell the stock if the stock market's down. As long as they continue paying those dividends, you get a little bit of income off that investment as well. I like it. Last area for income would be, well, maybe you continue to work in retirement. Maybe that's part-time work or maybe a spouse continues to work in retirement or maybe you start a business. Maybe you've always wanted to write your own book. So you write your own book and start a little speaking business off of that or something like that. Have a podcast. Or a podcast, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it could be a hobby type job as well. So that's what we see many folks, you know, those items on their bucket list or something that they wanted to do they can turn that into a small business that could be a great supplemental income source for you as well great so in the three-step process here that first section that we just covered wendy would be what do you have so what are your income sources in retirement the next is what do you need so wendy are you an avid budgeter do you line item every single expense you have every month
1: no no <laughs> I'm terrible at budgeting.
2: Okay. Okay. What method or is there no method to your budgeting? How do you work with, you know, what isn't an appropriate amount to spend every month?
1: Well, I don't know. I have a feeling that I'm you're not gonna agree with my method, but my method is if there's not enough money in the bank account for what I want, I put it on the credit card.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that is like hearsay to, to my type. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, Tell I thought you were right actually going to go in a different direction
1: there. But, <laughs> Tell me yeah, the right the credit- way, Josh. <laughs>
2: okay, yeah. Well, zero interest credit cards could be okay for a short period of time. But but no, in,
1: serious, in seriousness, I really just keep up with the bank account and okay. just see what's being deducted and know how much is left for. I, I put a certain amount in the savings account, a certain amount in the 401k and, and so on.
2: Okay, yeah, I like that. I, I think for most folks... The reality of itemizing each and every expense is not too practical. I would like to say we can break things down into necessary expenses and then more discretionary expenses. So if we think of necessary expenses, typically those are going to be like your food, housing, transportation. What do you need to just sustain? Now, for many folks, that could expand a little bit. Maybe you feel that it is absolutely necessary to have that gym membership. Because that's something that makes you feel healthy and keeps you motivated and moving throughout the time. Other folks might say, well, that's more discretionary because I sign up every January, but by February, I'm not actually going there anyway. So oh, I've um, never done that. You know, these aren't hard and fast, but in general, your necessary expenses are going to be those baseline things. Are you paying the mortgage? Do you have enough money for food? And are you able to pay for, you know, your transportation, that kind of stuff? Mm hmm. Can I
1: ask you a question before we move on to discretionary? Is it typical in retirement to still be paying a mortgage?
2: Oh, great question. We can do a whole podcast on that one. It depends. Oh, Um, it's my
1: favorite answer.
2: Traditionally, yes. I would say that like my grandmother and my grandfather, when they were preparing for retirement, the idea was that the house needed to be paid off. What's happened in our lower interest rate environment that we were in for the past decade is a lot of retirees maybe relocated. Maybe they moved from these uh, colder gray states up north to a place like Florida or Arizona to a warmer right. climate. And in that move, they decided to take on a new mortgage. And well, if that new mortgage was at 2%, well, maybe it doesn't make sense to pay it off right away, right? Mm. If we're able to pay a smaller amount on a monthly basis ongoing and take out a 30-year mortgage at age 70, well, great. I get to live there and I'll slowly pay the bank back. So I would say it depends. A lot of that will fall into your personal desires as well. For my wife and I, my financial mind says, no, we don't need to pay off the mortgage before retirement. For her, that would give her peace of mind to do it. Therefore, it's a goal of ours.
1: Gotcha. OK, good. Good enough.
2: Um, Even if your house is paid off, I'd still say you have housing expenses, right? Because we still have taxes, insurance, upkeep, repairs, updating, yes. all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, um, exactly.
2: And those tend to be necessary, right? If the water heater's leaking or the furnace breaks, you're going to need to address that. Unfortunately, yes. Our discretionary expenses, though, Wendy, are going to be sometimes those more fun things or things that we might have a little bit more leeway in. So our travel, eating out, gifting, even some of our charitable giving could fall into that category. So these are things that, well, hey, maybe if I was relying on these stocks and they stopped paying dividends, maybe we're going to travel a little less this year, or maybe we'll do more car trips rather than flying. If you don't want to spend the time to go through all the details of line iteming a budget, I would say, let's do a triage exercise. Let's see if that's fully necessary. A lot of times we meet with folks and they'll say, hey, you know what? This is what I spend every month. We go through a financial planning exercise with them and we can see based on their income, what they're saving and taxes. That's not quite the case. They're definitely spending more than that. So How close is what you think you're spending to what you're actually spending would be kind of step one in that exercise. If they're close and you're meeting your savings goals, great, let's not waste time on that. You got good enough savings habits that you're able to reach your financial goals. So we'll let it lie there. If there's a lot of disconnect there, we'd probably wanna do a budget worksheet. We'll wanna try to look at that compared to your real expenses, what actually seems to be going out. If you're still really disconnected, well, then we got to jump in the weeds. Then we got to jump into things like bank statements, credit card statements, to actually find out where that money is going. Okay. The easiest equation is income minus taxes minus savings equals your expenses. Right. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the money's going somewhere. If it's not going to Uncle Sam, it's not going into a savings or investment account. Well, it's an expense at that point.
1: It's being spent.
2: That's right. That's right. Okay. So in step two, we need to address what we need there. So figure out what our expenses will be. The last and final step is how are we going to fill that gap? So if our income sources from the first section, maybe our social security and pension or rental income is not quite enough to fill in that gap of our expenses versus income, what are we going to do from there? Do we seek to add another guaranteed income source like an annuity Are we just going to plan to withdraw from maybe our 401k that's invested in a combination of stocks and bonds? Or are we going to decide to work part time? So by going through these simple three steps, we at least get perspective on where we're going to start out retirement and figure out the baseline for an income plan.
1: Okay, wow. Every time I do one of these with you, Josh, I'm like, I am not prepared.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can work through. So one of the things that uh, we're willing to provide listeners with today, and there'll be a link in the show notes, is a checklist to help you kind of walk through this income planning exercise to help you get organized, right? Sometimes that's all we need to do. We need to write out how much our social security is going to be. Do we have a pension? How much will that be? What could we expect from our investments? And we're here to help. If you run through that exercise and you see that there's a big disconnect, go ahead and schedule a 15-minute phone call. I'd be happy to talk through that with you and see if we can help you a little bit more.
1: Okay, Josh. Well, thank you so much for all of that information. How can people get in touch with you?
2: Great. Yeah, they can call our office at 412-998-PLAN. They can shoot me an email at jleonard at com, or feel free to check out our website at leonardadvisorygroup.com.
1: And thank you for joining us on Hello Retirement. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hello Retirement Podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available.